0: Welcome to Sports Talk with r and J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Jetson D'Onofrio, and we have a busy show today. I mean, uh, there's issues issues again in baseball, the COVID. Yeah, not to the large degree has continued, but it still has continued with one team, one player tested, uh, did, did uh, test positive. You have, you know, issues with unwritten rules in baseball. Uh, we, have, we have a couple tight ends in football, too, the best tight end in football that got paid. Uh, you have Justin Fields trying to save the college football season in the Big Ten. But we got to start with the NBA playoffs. And we got to start with last night, and for the and for the first time uh, since 2003, uh, the two number eight seeds won won Game One of their series. And last night, the uh, Blazers beat the Lakers 103 to 93. Damian Lillard scored 34 points for the uh, for the Blazers, and the Blazers people thought they were going to be a tough out. They definitely proved that last night. Lillard had a had a, had a great game. I mean, Nerfich and McCullum played well a, a, as well. And for the Lakers, I mean, you know, AD played well. LeBron played well, uh, but the problem is is the supporting cast was absolutely absolutely terrible for them. I mean, KCP was terrible. Uh, Danny Green wasn't good. Alex Caruso was terrible. Kuzma was okay, but from three-point range, like, the Lakers were five for 32. Five for 32 in 2020, 2020, I don't care who is on your team. You're not winning any games if you, sh- if you go five for 32 from three-point range, especially a playoff game. And it showed for the Lakers last night, and they're down 0-1 in this in this best of seven series. I did predict Lakers in five to start the series. I'm going to amend that prediction. I'll probably go Lakers in six because the reason I went Lakers in five because I didn't like Portland's defense at all. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to go uh, Lakers in six because I think that Portland. Play, last night proved they could play with them. They could, you know, the Lakers only scored ninety three points last night, and Portland was giving up a ton of points. They gave up like over one hundred twenty points in, in, in the game in the bubble. They gave up uh, again in the, in the game, the playing game. They they gave up even one hundred thirty three points to the Nets uh, in the game they needed to win to get into the playoffs. So. Yeah, the Blazers were they they played they they played really well last night. The Lakers, Lakers need to get better. I mean, they need to get more uh they need to get more around LeBron and AD. And even LeBron and AD, AD's got to play in the post more. He's got to dominate in the post more. And even LeBron, yes, he had a triple double last night, you know, uh 23, 17 and 16, but 23 points, I'm sorry, is not good enough. I mean, Damian Lillard has 34. In my opinion, Damian Lillard outplayed LeBron James last night. I mean, yes, he he had he had 16 assists, he had 17 rebounds, but I think LeBron has got to start taking over the game more. He's got to average uh, 30 to 35 points a game because there's really no one on the Blazers that could guard him. I mean, 23 points you saw is not good enough. He's got to he's got to take over more for the Lakers to win this series.
1: Yeah, um, the Blazers, yeah, huge you, win. Um, the way they played, especially defensively, but I, I really do want to hammer the AD thing home. Um, I, I again. I think he could take any of those Portland defenders to the hole anytime. He was two for 15 outside the restricted area. Go play in the post. Go dominate down low. I don't under I, I don't like this new game here of the big guys wanting to step out and be shooters. I like I like the big guys who like to, you know, get dirty around around the block and, and be able to finish, get off, you know, rebounds. I don't I don't you know, I don't like that new style And that's not AD's style. I don't that's not I know he shoots threes and he's not good at it. I think he was 32 or 72 for 218 three pointers this year. It's not it's okay, it's not great. I think he needs to attack the basket more. So I, again I think they need to do that. And I'm with you with LeBron. I think if LeBron now I think LeBron's gonna start taking over the game. Now he played well; he played pretty well. 23-17. Oh, he played played
0: really well. But yeah, if he if they see yeah. he scores more, the Lakers have a better chance yeah. to win the game. When yeah. you and the problem is, it's great to play that way if you have multiple scores. But when, when AD is really your only other scorer, you it's it, it's hard to win by by scoring less than twenty five points.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. With you and I, I think game two, you're gonna see LeBron take more of a charge, and I think you're gonna see him take because I think that's if LeBron. Plays like that way the entire series. I think Portland beats them. I think LeBron's gonna have to take over the game to beat these guys, even though you know,
0: especially when, especially with scores like McCollum, Lillard, and Nurkic on the yeah. other side.
1: And Nur- yeah, nurkic has been a huge surprise. He, I know he played well in the regular season now, now in the bubble as well. He's he's taking his game to another level. Um, it, yeah, they're gonna need that guy, you know, they're gonna need LeBron to pre, I think they win them this series just, They they do not have much after that now. I think, too, I know Ron, Ron Rondo isn't what he used to be, but I think if they get him back, too, just with all the experience he gives you in the playoffs and winning a championship, I think that may it may help a little bit. I know um, it may not show up in the box score, but I, I think it would be a good help for the Lakers. Um, you know, I don't know when. They still don't know when, but if he can get back soon, I think it'd be a big help. But I'm not worried about the Lakers too much yet. I'm, I'm starting to a little bit. But you can see Damian Lillard's got that dog in him right now. He, he, he's he got that will, and um, he's, he's going to be a tough out. I would, you know, and I know, you know, with everything that's happened this year, to, you know, to, with Kobe and all that, because I'm not a Laker fan, I would love to see Portland beat him. I'd love to see Portland knock these ads off. It'd I, be great.
0: Yeah, Joe put up a question, who's in more trouble, the Lakers or the Bucks? It's got to be the Lakers because they're playing a definitely playing a better team in this in the round. Yeah, you might think the, you might say the Lakers are a better team than the Bucks, but the Lakers are in more trouble because they're playing a better team. The Port the Blazers are clearly a better team than the Magic. Like, yeah, the Bucks yesterday uh, the Magic's uh, – Vujicic just had a, a fluky great game where he scored 35 points and Middleton, Bledsoe, and Lopez were awful, and that's why the Bucs lost. The Lakers are more are definitely in more trouble because they got a guy in Dame Lillard who got the Blazers to the conference finals last year, a guy who's made two uh, uh, series-clinching three-point shots to win series for the Blazers. So you have a – the, 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 the Lakers are playing a Blazers team with a guy on the other side who's had a ton of postseason success. So it's absolutely the Lakers. They're definitely in more trouble than the Bucs.
1: Yeah, because this is a—I uh, wouldn't say this is a normal eight seed for Portland. This is a team that could be five through uh, as high, I think, as a five seed in the Western Conference. So yeah, this is—you know—this is—I I definitely agree with you with the Trailblazers. Um, yeah, you know they—they just—they you know the Magic do not have a Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum on their team either that could beat you, um, you know, game in and, and game out. And especially with the way the Lakers, you know, they don't really have guards that can put up points like uh, Lillard and McComb, but they do have AD and LeBron. But, um, you know, I I, I would love to see AD play more in the post, and I think he has to do that because I don't think that the players would be able to stop him.
0: No, they're going to have trouble stopping him. They'll, they'll, they will definitely will have trouble stopping LeBron, so I think he needs to be a little bit more selfish. Yeah, he was he was too unselfish last night. He, he, it's just tough to call a player too unselfish, but I think he was last night. And, yeah, and Rondo's return definitely could help. Yeah, not on the offensive side, but I think it's really, really going to help. Um, it could it could help on the defensive side. He could contain Lillard. I mean, he's not going to stop Lillard, but he can contain him, and he can contain McCollum. So I think, you know, if Rondo, if Rondo can come back in this series, he could definitely – Help contain the scoring uh, of the Blazers backcourt, and and the, and the and the other thing is the other Laker players have to step up. Quadwell Pope can't be this terrible. Same Caruso can't be this terrible. Uh, uh, Kuzma, has to, I think Kuzma's got to be a little bit better too. And Danny Green to be better. I mean, if if uh, KCP and uh, and Caruso are this bad, the Lakers got to start thinking about using, even though they're not great defensively, uh, Deion Waiters and uh, J.R. Smith to, to just improve their scoring because ninety-three points. 5 for 32, and this year of the NBA, it's not going to get it done.
1: Yeah, it's not because I think Portland in the regular season gave up 116. So, uh, you did a lot of favors. Again, the chances that the Lakers shoot 5 for 32 again from 3, I think is kind of unlikely. But, yeah, it, you know, coldwell Pope cannot shoot 0 for 9 and, you know, and be your shoot- starting shooting guard. That can't happen. They're going to need him to hit some shots. Um, you know, I don't know if there's just some nerds out of, you know, the Kodula-Pulp. And, and the Alex Crusoe I don't know but yeah they, they're definitely gonna need those guys and if not I completely agree they're, they're gonna need a you know, waiters or um uh, or J.R. Smith to kind of help out offensively and just be able to score because as I just mentioned Portland, yeah as we mentioned Portland's not a great defensive team it, it you know you should be able to score against these guys
0: Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at yeah, you look at the games they had. I mean, the game against the Nets, one thirty-three to a team with Karis Levert as their best player, and you saw the Nets against the Raptors, they, they 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 got they got dominated. So, and then and obviously, you see they saw the game with Memphis, and they gave up over one hundred and twenty points with one of Memphis's best players out. So the Lakers should should definitely be able to score against this uh, Portland defense. It's just other guys got to step up around LeBron and AD, and AD's got to start you know, going inside and and, and and dominating inside and LeBron has got to stop. And I think LeBron played really well last night, but he's got to be more selfish in this series and, and score more points that that's, what's got to happen.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think he's got to, you know, that final year in Cleveland, when they got to the finals, he, he was kind of that the one man show. I think he's got to pretty much return to that. I know he's got AD, but yeah, he's going to have to, he's going to have to lead these guys to, to a championship. You know, I don't, and he's gonna help you as a supporting cast, but that's really about it. He's gonna have to be more selfish. And I think, um, I, you know, I, I think LeBron's gonna be more like that in game two. And, you know, as I mentioned right at the top, if he's not, I which I would be shocked. That you know, I, I think Portland boxed him off, but knowing LeBron, I think he will start taking over this taking over the game, knowing that, you know, he's gonna have to, to advance to the semifinals.
0: Listen, I will be shocked if LeBron doesn't start taking yeah. over. If there's, I'm not. I'm I almost a hundred percent sure he's going to start taking over in this series. So are you still at us Lakers in five? Because I'm I'm Lakers in six right now.
1: I I think originally I had uh, Lakers in six. Oh, oh, you had Lakers in
0: six. Okay, no, my bad. Yeah, you had no, Lakers in uh, six. I remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm going to stick with Lakers in six for for right now. I, I think they should still be able to win the series.
0: Gotcha. Now talking about another LA team, and that is the Clippers, and they won Monday night, but not without controversy, because there was a very, very uh, controversial call in, in the game on uh, two technical fouls on Porzingis in the game on a Monday night. First, he gets a technical foul because he uh, he questioned a call that when he blocked a Paul George, and then the one where which 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 raised uh, a lot of which got a lot of people riled up uh, yesterday was when. He, uh, Oh, Doncic was driving in. Morris uh, fouled him. Then they started. Then they started going at it. Then Porzingis came in, and Porzingis and, and uh, uh Morris started shoving each other. And then Porzingis got a second technical foul. At the time, the uh, Mavericks were up seventy-one sixty-six over the uh, over the Clippers, so they had the momentum. And then the game continued to be close. I mean, Luke had an outstanding performance. I mean, forty-two points. I mean, right now, if there's any player in the league. Right now, you're taking a starter team. You're probably taking him. He was outstanding on uh, on Monday night, but the Clippers ended up winning that game one one eighteen to one ten. But on the ejection, there's no no way possible. Uh, Porzingis should have been ejected. Those were two soft technical fouls. These refs need to use common sense. I'm not I'm not forgetting on the refs for deciding games, but these refs need to use common sense when when you're going to throw a guy out of the game. You're going to take the second best player of a of a team. Uh, out of a game during a, uh, during a playoff game, you can't throw the second play, best player uh, on a team uh, in a playoff game out of a game. You can't, you can't act like this is the regular season. This is the postseason. You You just can't do that. The refs did not use common sense there. That was a very, very poor job uh, by the refs to eject Porzingis from that game. And it, and it, I'm not saying it did cost them Mavs a game, but it very easily could have cost them Mavs that game.
1: Yeah. You know, I agree with you. It's kind of been a problem with the officials the last few years. They don't, you know, they, they don't, you know, tweak the rules at all for, you know, whoever it is, you know. Um, it, It's what they're told they they call. They don't switch it up. And, and the only thing I'm going to kind of get on Porzingis is he did know he had one technical foul. And I, I agree he shouldn't have been thrown out of that game. But he does have to realize, hey, I do have one technical foul. I do have to be careful. I already got the soft call once before, you know. And, and again, I know in that situation he's not thinking about that. I understand that. But it's something he's got to realize. So I do put a little bit of blame on him for that. But, yes, I I do agree there's no way he should have been thrown out of that game. And, yes, that probably did, you know, really did kind of really hurt their chances because the Mavs pretty much all year have not – have really struggled to close out games. And you lose your second best player, it's going to be pretty hard to close out a game against the Clippers.
0: Justin, I get what you're saying. But in a playoff game, there's no way Porzingis should have been ejected for that. Not at all. And yeah, the, the, these, these refs that are going by the book eject them, but they need to realize this is playoff basketball. This, 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 this the, legacies are on the line. This is this is where you build your legacy. You cannot be uh, calling ticky tack technical fouls and kicking people out of games. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's absurd, and you just you just can't do that. I, I get the point people have made. Yes, there have been people that have made a point. Yes, Porzingis should not have gotten in there with Morris and Doncic. But still, you do not throw Porzingis out of the game there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I completely agree about he shouldn't have been thrown out. I'm just kind of saying that there should be a little blame on him for realize like a little bit uh, just to realize because again, you're you know you know the rest are gonna you know it's gonna be soft call you know it, something like that is gonna be a technical. I, and I get the point of in, the, in the moment, you're not thinking about that, I, you know, but he does have to be a little bit smarter about it so that he can stay in the game. That's, you know, again, I, I agree. Both both technical fouls are tiki tack He should have been ejected. I'm all for it. I agree with with all that. I just, I think there should be a little blame on him. He's got to be more careful about, you know it, you know, I think he just has to be a bit more careful out there. In that situation, I disagree,
0: but but I get what you mean there. I I, I definitely get what you mean there. But talking about the game though, uh, Kawhi Leonard, 29 points, Paul George, 27, did really did really an excellent job. Morris had a good night too with 19. The issue though for the Clippers was their bench. Lou Williams did not have that good of a game, and Matres Harrell just coming back looked rusty. So the the bench needs to get better for the Clippers uh for the, the, the bench yeah the clippers bench definitely needs to get better and for the mavs obviously um, doncic was outstanding unbelievable with 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 42 points i mean right now he's i mean he's, he's arguably could be one of the top 5 players in the game i mean he's he's just been a, outstanding this year for the mavs and porzingis obviously gets ejected he was playing pretty well before he got ejected and then tim hardaway junior had a pretty good game with 18 points and and Seth curry had 14 off the bench but still in this series, though, I'm still going to go Clippers in five because I think Harold and uh, and uh, Lou Williams are going to play better. And I don't know against the Clippers' defense, even if a player like Doncic could have the game that he had on Monday night. I don't know if he could repeat that. So I'm still going to go Clippers in five.
1: Yeah, I, I think I have Clippers in five, but it may be six. I, I, I can't remember. I'm going to go – I'm going to keep it – I'm going to go five, get five games. I think Clippers will be able, or the Mavericks will be able to win one game. Yeah, and watching Luka Doncic, um, you know, it, it, it was very impressive the way he played. It, you know, it, it hurts a bit because, you know, two years ago when the King drafted Bagley, which I was all for Bagley, I didn't think Doncic was going to turn in. Oh, uh, the Kings
0: so need ahead. to be need to be with, in with the times. They're they're not, they're not with the times when they take Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. They're just not in with the times. That's, yeah. why, that's, why, that's, why, Vl- that's why Vlade Divas doesn't have a job right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I am, you know. Kind of say you know that uh we're, we're changing we're changing of the guards there but you know I, I you know I, I I did want Bagley because of but um but it is tough to see what Doncic is doing and kind of miss out on that type of player and what he's been able to do franchise I think if the Mavs get you know one more you know good score I know Hardaway has been playing pretty well you know this is this is a top of the tier team in the Western Conference I think they're still another year away for that you know for the Mavs um but i just think that the clippers have too much especially if lou williams plays better If harold looks you know harold coming back if he look you know i assume he's gonna play a little bit more gonna play a little bit better um and you know i said it a little you know the match struggled to close out games this year and the clippers really excel at doing that so I, I just feel like the clippers have a good advantage there um so um you know the clippers should be able to take care of this series
0: yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. They're back at it tonight at nine o'clock on TNT. We'll we'll, we'll move over to the to uh, the Nuggets Jazz series, and what a what a day for Donovan Mitchell going for a uh, for fifty seven points, but it wasn't enough with Jamal Murray having thirty six and uh, Joe Kuz going for twenty nine. Porter Jr. was not as impressive as he was during the restart; he only had thirteen. But the Magic – the I mean, the uh, Nuggets were able to beat the Jazz in overtime. That was the first game of the uh, NBA playoffs. And for this series, I still think the Nuggets are going to win in five because Mitchell had an um, unbelievable game. Donovan Mitchell played great, but the Jazz still lost. So I just can't see the Jazz, you know, winning this series after that. So I'm still going to go Nuggets in five.
1: Yeah, I think originally Nuggets in six. I'm going to go five now. The way Donovan Mitchell played was unbelievable. Um, you know, again, he just, you know, he looks like a star in this game now. Um, again, and looks, you know, for the years to come, he looks like he's going to be a superstar in this league. I just think he needs he needs another kind of partner. You know, Gobert played pretty well. Um, Jordan Clarkson actually came off the bench. I mean, the, the
0: big loss for them is a Bagdanovich. He was averaging yeah. over twenty points a game this year. He was having a really good year. That was a really big loss for them going into the restart.
1: Yeah, it was, and, you know, it affects him because he's a very good three-point shooter, and it helps, um, you know, Mitchell, Gobert kind of sprout the floor and all that, but um, definitely I agree with you, Porter, wasn't as, he still had 13-8, which, you know. Yeah, but he was averaging like
0: 22 during the restart.
1: He was, you know, I don't know, Nurse, first playoff game. Um, Jokic played really well, I thought, inside. Murray was great as well. I just think the Nuggets have too much for the Jazz. So I, I, I think I'm going to go, you know, I got the Nuggets in five.
0: Talking about the last series in the Western Conference, and that and that game was played last night between the Rockets and the uh, Thunder. And, uh, yep, Westbrook was out. Oh, uh, CP3 faces old team. But James Harden was the story with 37 points. Uh, uh, Garrett Gordon had 21. He, then you had the, the Rockets bench was really good with Jeff Green and with Ben McLemore. Uh, the Thunder backcourt needs to be better. She, uh, Shea Gildred's Alexander was absolutely terrible last night. Uh, CP3, yes, the stat line looks good. But And I know he almost had a triple-double. But half those points were uh, were pretty much when the, the Rockets had the game in hand. So I didn't think CP3 – even though he almost had a triple-double, I didn't think CP3 played that well last night. And, uh, and the one thing for the Rockets is you might argue they might be as good or even better without Russell Westbrook. And this shows you Russell Westbrook is overrated. This shows you why he's not a top-ten player in the NBA. The guy can't shoot threes. The guy doesn't elevate teammates that well. The guy's a, ta- a talented player. I mean, he's, he's an athletic freak but he's overrated and he's not a top 10 player in the league. And last night showed that. And, and, and it was, should even more show you that is his, his, his old team is, uh, had the same record as the Rockets this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, the more and more I'm starting to kind of see it because this Thunder team has been much better this year. Um, you know, flying under the radar to, you know, be a five seed in the Western conference is pretty spectacular. um, you know, so I kind of, I could kind of, I do see it. You know, like Jeff Green played well. I just it um it looked like everybody was just better um for the Rockets offensively, and it, yeah, it, you know, I, I love the and I actually liked and you know, I, I've been a big stickler about the Rockets and about their small ball, but I love you know all the ball movement the ball screens. Um they, Yeah, you, you know, still, you still, you still
0: taking the Thunder in seven, Justin.
1: <sighs> I don't, <laughs> I still – I don't want to change it yet. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to see what, um, coach diamond does for adjustments for game two. Gotcha. Gotcha. So right now I'll stick with them. Um, but you know, I, the Rockets did a great job getting guys open, um, and just kind of pretty much just scoring at will. And then they got to the line, especially in that second quarter, it just seemed every time the Rockets took a shot, they're going to free throw line in the second quarter. So they did a really good job. Um, and, and they, you know, they look pretty good. Um, they look they, they look good last night. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they
0: really did a good job, you know, moving the ball around, you know, hitting their hitting their threes, which they live and die by the three, die by the three. But they did that last night, so they looked really really good. And OKC, like I said earlier, needs got needs their backcourt to step up, especially Gildress Alexander, He was averaging 19 points a game this year. He only had nine points last night. I know it's his first playoff series, and that's the reason why I'm going to change my prediction here, and I'm going to go Rockets and six because I just don't know what uh, Shea Gilders alexander is going to be in this play, in this series for, for the thunder what kind of player is he going to be because he looked like a much worse player than he was in the regular season so i'm still gonna go rockets at six and, and you're not changing you're still picking those thunder and seven
1: not yet not yet, uh, not yet. I, I want to see what donovan does judgment wise I, I you know i really like him as a coach so I, I figured you know they'll try something i you know hopefully they'll get back to tie the series up.
0: Of course, you like Billy Donovan because he won two college national titles. Of course, of course, you like him. But we're going to go to the Eastern Conference and a huge upset in the Eastern Conference yesterday, as the uh, as as the Magic upset the Bucks, one hundred twenty-two to one hundred ten. Vucevic had thirty-five points, went five for eight from three-point range. Uh, Zion had 31 in the loss. Uh, he actually had a really good game, but the problem was the supporting cast was absolutely pathetic and inexcusably pathetic, too. Chris Middleton was awful. He only had 14 points. His average is over 20 a game. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was his, new, his normal self, but he could have been better. Brooke Lopez was terrible as well. Giannis didn't have the supporting cast. He had four Magic starters uh, were in double figures, and and uh, I don't think the Bucs are in trouble in this series, but if they continue – not to defend the three-point shot like they didn't yesterday. Uh, Vujicic hit five threes. And then th- the supporting cast continues not to support Giannis. This team could definitely get, be in trouble once they get to the next round.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it just seems like a very unexpired performance. And they haven't looked good the whole time in the bubble. I'm not too worried yet. But I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I'm, I'm there's a little concern the way they're they're playing. They have not looked good since they entered the bubble. Um, the magic kind of did what the Raptors did defensively. It kind of just built that wall type defense. They, it, especially in, then the Bucks defense was just a disaster. Um, it, it's just, you know, it just, guys are just open and Terrence and the magic got, you know, Terrence Ross gave him 18 points. DJ Augustine had 11 points, 11 assists. will was just taking it to the hole and doing whatever he wanted to do. Um, and, and just you know, Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez just had no answers for him. So uh, I'm, darn, I'm a little bit worried about the Bucks, but they they still should be fine. Um, but they better turn around soon because yes, you know, the Heat and Pacers are not going to be, um, you know, if you can get, you know, if they should be able to still get by this series. But the Heat and Pacers are not going to be, you know, they're not going to be easy. You, you know, you're going to have to fight for those. So. They, they better start waking up and getting ready to play, play some basketball because they just look very uninspired, and they don't really look like they want to be here right now.
0: Yeah, I still got the Bucs in five, but if they don't keep this up, Trevor Keys's NBA Finals prediction is going to be right with the Heat going to the finals if they because he has the Heat eliminating the Bucks in the second round. But I still got the Bucs in five. You, Justin?
1: Yeah, I got the Bucks in five. I think you have, I, I had the Bucks in the sweep. But I think I, I had, had, the, I had the Bucks in a sweep, too, but I have been five now. I got them in five. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
0: So we'll go on to the to another uh, Eastern Conference series and the Celtics and beat the Sixers on Monday night. 109-101. Tatum had thirty two, Brown had twenty nine, but they did lose Gordon Hayward for four weeks uh, due to an ankle injury. So he'll probably won't. The earliest they'll come back is the Conference Finals if the Celtics make it, which is going to be interesting to see what they do with their starting lineup. Do they start Mark? Do they go small and start Marcus Smart, or do they go big and start uh, Enos Kanter? I have a feeling, or, or Robert Williams, I have a feeling they're going to go big because of the Sixers' size and start uh, Cainter or or uh, Williams. And uh, look at the series for the Sixers, though. This shows you exactly why Brett Brown should be fired. It's, it's disgraceful the way he, they used Embiid Monday night. I mean, he goes, he hits his first five shots, then they only give him the ball ten times the entire game. This is the NBA in 2020. You've got to have the ball in your star player's hands. You can not only give the ball to your star player ten times the rest of the entire game. He ended up scoring 26 points, but he could have scored 35 or 40 points if they would have given him the ball more. It was horrific coaching by Brett Brown. And this is a, a direct reason why Brett Brown should be fired.
1: Yeah, um, you know, especially because Embiid got nine of his nine of the twenty-six two at the line. He got to the line. I don't know why they went away from him, because yeah, Boston doesn't really have a guy that, that can really. Daniel Tice, Daniel Tice is not slowing down. Um, uh, Joe, uh, there's, there's no way he's slowing down Joel Embiid. I don't think, and Cantor or Robert Williams won't be able to either. So I, I don't know why they got away from that. Um, I, it's beyond me, especially with Ben Simmons out. Um, I, You know, I, I'm with you. I'm kind of, I, I, I don't really know why they got away from that. Um, you know, talk about other big guys. I didn't really like the way Al Hor- Horford played. I thought he no Horford was
0: Horford was awful, he and was. Uh, Harris has got to be better too. Yeah. Harris only had at I think thirteen points. Harris has got to be better too.
1: Yeah, he didn't shoot well either. He didn't hit a three. Um On the Celtics side, Jalen Brown I think had fifth, twelve or fifteen in the fourth quarter. I like the way he played in the fourth. Jason Tatum two in the he played pretty well overall, but I thought that second quarter he played really really well. Um, Kemba, he looked tight for some reason, you know, I know he's coming back for the knee injury. He looked pretty tight shooting the ball. He wasn't great shooting wise, but you know, um, but I like the way Robert Williams came off the bench. I know the stat line doesn't jump out of the page. He's two for, you know, he two points, but I like the six rebounds in 12 minutes but they do need off. Yeah, uh he actually has – with Hayward
0: out, these these guys have to score more. This is this isn't yeah. college basketball, dude. They got to score more.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm about to say is they do need one of these guys now without Gordon Hayward to step up cuz one of these guys is going to have to enter the starting line, especially Marcus Smart played 31 minutes and he was over for 5. Yeah, defense. that 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 and can't gonna, happen. They, yeah, he did not play what well, very well. They're going to need one of those guys to step up um, uh, without Hayward.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, their bench, their bench only had eight points, uh, uh, only eight points on Monday night. That, that cannot happen, especially deep in the playoffs. They got to play the Raptors or the Bucks. They can't have their bench only only scoring eight points. And Tatum, he was he had a really good game, but he wasn't that great in the second half. So he's got to be better throughout the game as well. So, yeah, so look at this series. I still got the even – with, even with Hayward out, I still got the Celtics in six. I just don't think the Sixers have enough shooting, and I think the coaching for the Sixers needs to change.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I got Celtics and six, um, pretty much all the reasons you know you got them as well. Um, yeah, I got Celtics six.
0: We'll go to we'll quickly talk about uh, the last two Eastern Conference series. We'll start with the uh, Raptors and the Nets, and game two will tip off in about an hour. And the first half was a complete blowout. I mean, the Raptors completely blew them out in the first half. Second half, though, the Nets continued to fight the way they played in the bubble all year. They cut the lead down to nine, but in the fourth quarter, the Raptors dominated them. And you know the, the big key was is they they contained uh, their best player LeVert. to fit they held him to fifteen points. I mean Van Fleet had thirty, Siakam had eighteen, and the Raptors won easily. And I think they're going to win this series easily. I still got them winning it in five.
1: Yeah, I think I got I, I got Raptors with the sweep. Um, it, again, they came out in full throttle. They had the thir, thir, seventeen point lead at the end of the first quarter. Um, all their scores are are all the starters for the Raptors in double figures. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was great. Serge Ibaka came off the bench with 22. Um, I really liked the way the Raptors played. Again, they, um, they shot the ball well too, shot 50% from deep. Um, I really liked the way the Raptors played. They took care of business and looked good doing it. Again, I know it's a depleted uh, Nets team, but um, they weren't messing around. They made sure to take, you know, that they're going to take care of business.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll talk about the uh, last series, and that's the uh, Pacers and the Heat. And the pa- Heat beat the Pacers yesterday 113-101. Uh, to 101. Uh, Butler proved why he's one of the best two-way players in the game at 28. Uh, Dragic had 24. Bam had 17. Uh, for the Pacers, uh, TJ Warren had 22, and uh, Brogdon had 22. But the problem is the injuries with the Pacers. Oladipo left, only played nine minutes. He left the game. It's a bonus, still hasn't came back for them. And with the injuries the Pacers have right now, I think I, I could I could see the Heat probably probably winning the series now in five.
1: Yeah. I think at Heat six, I believe. I am probably gonna
0: It'll be close, It'll be five or six games, but I think the Heat win.
1: Yeah, I think the Heat, yeah, definitely. You know, Al Depot's not healthy. Um, you know, Sabonis and then even Jeremy Lamb, who filled in for Al Depot, is averaging double figures this year as well. So, you know, that's another tough loss for him. Um, of course you
0: gotta get Jeremy Lamb, and you gotta get a UConn guy
1: in there. Of course, I gotta give him the credit. Uh but uh, I was actually kind of stunned. Jimmy Butler hit his first three since, like, March 2nd, I guess. I guess, um, you know, they, I guess uh, – I think it was Bama Bio was telling him to just shoot threes. He, he hit a big one, um, you know, late. It was, like, four or five minutes left. Um, kind of put the nail in the coffin, I felt like, um, for the Pacers. So, yeah, uh, Butler played great. Drogic played great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think – and then Bama Bio also played really, really well. So, yeah, I think the Heat will – probably take this thing. I'm going to go. I'm still going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with six right now. I'll, I'll stick with six. But uh, I like the way that he played yesterday.
0: All righty. So we'll wrap up our NBA talk talking about Alvin Gentry being fired from the Pelicans, and he should have been fired. He completely mismanaged Zion. He was absolutely terrible in the bubble. There's there's no reason why he should have had a job after after th- this team got back to New Orleans. I mean, he completely mismanaged Zion. He played him twice like 20 minutes a game when the guy's clearly your best player on your team. If they played Zion the minutes they should have played Zion, uh, they, they would have been playing the, the uh, Blazers in that play-in round. So I think this is absolutely the right move for the Pelicans to uh, get rid of Gentry. And I called for this last show, and I told you it was Gentry, and it was not David Griffin.
1: Yeah, I was wrong about that. I thought it was David Griffin, but I, I guess I'm wrong. And the only thing is, and um, I – I hope they're not making the same mistake the Kings did with firing their coach after. And I know the way they played in the bubble is not great. I know he mismanaged Zion Williamson, but the Kings last year when they fired Dave Jorgen, they won 39 games. They won the most games since like 2006, 2007 and they took a big hit this year. They didn't, you know, everybody seemed to take a step back again, you know, and I know the Pelicans were struggling for the most part, really until Zion came out, you know, came back, got healthy. But I, 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 you know, I'm a little worried that that they may take a step. You know, they just make the same mistake and fire the coach too prematurely.
0: Trust me, this won't be a mistake. This guy completely cost the Pelicans a chance to play for a playoff spot. This is definitely the right move.
1: He probably did. He, you know, I guess, he probably definitely did. Um, he, you know, again, I, I'm sure he probably had his reasons. Again, it's tough to. You know, it seems like Zion was healthy. So, you know, was he? I don't, again, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I can't really defend what he did because I don't know why he actually even did it. You know, I, you know, I thought maybe it was just a move ahead towards next year. But, I, you know, obviously he's not going to be there next year. So, I, you know, I, you know, I just, I think it could, depending on who they hire, it could, it could take us, this team could take a step back just. Um, oh,
0: listen, listen. This team has Zion Williamson. They're not yeah. taking a step back. No team with Zion is taking a step back, okay? They're not taking a step back.
1: Right. I, I know I, the Western
0: I, Conference is tough, but they're not taking a step back.
1: They shouldn't be able to. I, you know, I, I, look, I know the Kings don't have a guy like Zion Williamson, obviously, but I didn't think they were going to take a step back like that this year, this year and, and play like they, the way they did. Uh, but, Look, I know they have the, they have the pieces in place to be, to be a playoff contender to get to the playoffs. um, But yeah, I, you know, I, I you know, I'll be honest. I was shocked the way they managed Zion. It was not great. And I thought it was the upper management, David Griffin, but it, it, it wasn't, it seems like it was Alvin Gentry's idea. And it seems like David Griffin was not a big fan of it.
0: It absolutely was Alvin Gentry's idea. And that is why he is out of a job, but we are going to shift to college football now. And, uh, uh, and this weekend, Justin Fields uh, started a petition to try to get the Big Ten season uh, back. He had over 250,000 signatures uh, as of Monday. So, I mean, he's trying to get the season. He's trying to get the season back. But I just think at this point, it is com- it is completely impossible. I mean, the Big Ten already made their decision; they're not going to have a season. Uh, I think it's pretty much impossible at this point. But you got to give a guy credit for wanting to have a voice. I mean, you want to – you we need this more in college athletics. We need the players to have more of a voice. I'm happy Justin Fields uh, did something to have a voice in this sport.
1: Yeah, you know, and his coach came out and pretty much kind of said Ron Day pretty much said the same thing. They definitely do. They need a guy, you know, they, they need more of that in college football. Um, you know, again, I, I would love to, you know, say, you now, yes, a big Ten should overturn their decision, but I, I agree with the big Ten. You know, they, there's no way – Look, I don't know if you heard, Michigan State already going remote for the rest of the fall semester, right? and the same same thing with Notre
0: Dame and North Carolina.
1: So uh, it, it, it's what one week, and the Notre Dame when I heard it was a party, it was an on-campus party. So it it it's, it's the right move by of Big Ten. I know they don't like it, and I know they say it happened too early, but it's the right move and the right decision. I admire that he wanted to try to do this and, and is trying to. Get a voice and hopefully, you know, the Big Ten over you know, he's hoping that the Big Ten overturns their decision, but it's not I don't think it's not gonna work. It's not you know, it's not gonna work. They made their final decision, it's not happening. I don't know if you heard this too, but um Ohio State's father, Sean Ward, which he's actually probably gonna be like a top ten, top fifteen pick in the draft next year. His dad is trying to demand to talk to the Big Ten commissioner tomorrow. He's flying up to uh Big Ten headquarters I think in Indianapolis. Headquarters. Wow. Or, yeah, in then, yeah. So uh, I again I don't know if he's gonna be able to meet with them, but I don't think that's gonna overturn the decision. Um, but again, I just I just I don't think it's gonna happen, and I think the big time made the right call. You know, oh, it made the right call.
0: Yeah, and I think every conference is gonna end up making this call. You look at the like, two ACC schools have just I mean, and I'm, I don't yeah, the Notre Dame's playing the ACC uh, this year, but two two of their schools pretty much just said we're going online. I just think eventually the the inevitable is going to come in the next two to three weeks, and the SEC, ACC, and, and Big Twelve are going to shut this down. And there's not, and unfortunately, there's not going to be college football this year.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. in the, in the same day, you know, it was yesterday or Monday when they got. I think it was um, Monday, Texas A&M. You know, when it kind of started coming out that North Carolina was going to go remote, they said they're going to have their state capacity at thirty percent. So it kind of just shows you the mindset of the SEC right now in the South to the. Big 10, AC, you know, and I understand the SEC, you know, again, they think they can, you know, uh, power through anything and all that, but it's just not, it's not going to happen. And um, I, I agree. I think in the next couple of weeks it's going to end and we're not going to have any college football.
0: And I was listening to Mac Brown today on uh, uh Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin. He said he wishes that everybody would just make a uniform decision. And I agree with him. You just make a uniform. Everybody should have just made a uniform decision to play or not to play. The, the, the thing with these two two conferences not playing, three conferences playing, is just really, really weird right now.
1: Yeah, it is because it's, you know, how do you um, measure it and up, you know, and it, it's a it's vantage. I completely agree with Mac Brown because now it gives these other, you know, again, I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say it happens, you know, and recruits are able to go visit schools, you know. again You know, right now they're still, they can't till the end of September at least. But let's say they can go on game day and go watch games. It's going to be a advantage for the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve for recruitment wise. Um, I and again, I think that's where the NCAA should have stepped in and said something. But again, they're they're too afraid of of college football. They 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 don't they don't like to get in college football as well. They'll do it for college basketball, cause, but college football wise, they'll stay out of the way. And, and that's why I thought they should have made a decision. That you know, and again, I don't know why all five conference big you know the Power Five commissioners sit down and just do it, and I know they all have different mindsets, clearly, right now, um, but yeah, I completely agree with, with, with Mac Brown.
0: Absolutely. I mean, but are we surprised with the NCAA? This is just the way they've been for years and years, but we're going to shift over to the NFL, and we're going to talk about the two best tight ends in football who just got paid. George Kittle got a five-year, $75 million deal from the uh, from the 49ers, and then uh, Travis Kelsey got a four-year, uh, $57 million deal from the Kansas City Chiefs. Both are getting around fifteen million a year. Both are clearly the highest paid uh, tight ends in the sport, and they're, and they're both clearly the top two tight ends in the sport. I mean, they—I mean, uh, Travis Kelsey is the best pass catching tight end in, in all of football, and then uh, George Kittle is the most complete tight end in football. He could block, he could he could pass catch. He's been over a thousand yards receiving of the last two years. I mean, Kelsey I think's been over a thousand yards receiving the last three or four years for the Chiefs. So, both tight ends, well deserved with what they're getting paid.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. You um, know, these they're definitely two, the two top tight ends in the league right now, um, and, and they definitely do, both both deserve to get what they're getting—the five years, seventy-five uh, million. Um, you know, for for Kittle, and you know, I, obviously Kelsey won the Super Bowl last year. Kittle's team, you know, the Nines, of course, you know, got to the um, Super Bowl but lost to KC. So, um, and Kittle was such a. Steal too, being a fifth round draft pick out of Iowa. Um, such such a big steal. Both guys too have been you know, healthy too at the tight end position. Um, but it, yeah, you know, Kelsey, such a great pass catcher, especially in, you know, and now you lock him up for the next couple of years with the Patrick Mahomes just deadly and then George Kittle. Um, you know, the 49ers wide receiver core is a little weaker, but again, you know, you you get a tight end like George Kittle and that helps out. Tremendously for that offense, and um, helps out uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Both guys deserve in.
0: Absolutely. The big question, though, is who is better, Kittle or Kelsey? I would go with Kittle just because he's a more complete tight end. He could block. He could pass catch. That that's the only reason I would. Because I think Kelsey's the best pass catching uh, tight end in the league, but he's not anywhere near the blocker that George Kittle is.
1: Yeah, it's just tough, you know. But I think because of the completeness of George Kittle. I think I agree with, yeah, you know, I agree. George Kittle um, is a little bit better. If Kelsey was the blocker that Kittle was. I definitely take Travis Kelsey to the way he can catch. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's George Kittle. Cause he's going to, you know, total complete tight end package.
0: Yeah. It's very close between those two guys. We'll now go to the Cowboys who had a, had a, a loss on, uh, on, on, uh, Monday, as is, is Jared McCoy is out out for the season with a ruptured uh, right quadriceps tendon, and uh, he's not the player he was in Tampa. Let's let's, let's admit that he's, he's he's past his prime. But with the Cowboys losing Malik Collins on the interior, he definitely was a guy who could be a serviceable defense three technique in that defense. I mean, he's a guy who could still get some pressure on the quarterback. He could still stop the run. Not the player he was in Tampa, but this is definitely a loss for the Cowboys. Now they've lost Malik Collins, and now they've lost the guy that's replaced him in Jared McCoy.
1: Yeah, so, you know, tough inside, you know, for the interior of that defense right now. Um, Definitely tough loss. I know he's been out, yeah, I agree with you, he's been up there in age now, so he's not the same guy with Tampa Bay. Um, But, yeah, this definitely could hurt the Cowboys on defense, you know, you know, definitely me pass rushing and, you know, stopping the run up the middle. Um, You know, it could be tough for the Cowboys now without um, that big, McCoy, you know, filling the interior defense.
0: Absolutely. 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 The defense that has already lost Byron Jones, a defense that's lost Robert Quinn, even though they got Everson, they brought in Everson Griffin to replace him, but a defense that's lost, you know, three or four stars, they got to pay Dak and Cooper. So that's a defense that right now is probably average to above average at best.
1: Yeah, they are. And, and you know, obviously, of course, getting the first round pick CD lamb again, they're going to, they, they're going to need that offense now to just put up points and, Oh, excuse me. And because um, obviously, right now, the defense probably gonna have some trouble stopping teams. So they're, they're gonna need their offense to put up some points to help out this defense. Um, you know, and, and I agree with you, probably average at, at best right now, you know. Um, so, yeah, tough loss for the Cowboys defensively.
0: It sure is. We'll stay in the division and talk about the Washington football team and, and a great story. Uh, from the Washington football team as Alex Smith has been cleared for team activities. I mean, we all remember uh, last November uh, in November of 2018, when he broke his uh, right tibula and fibula had 17 surgeries to get back on the field. Just so, so heroic to me. And a lot of people have said this. He is already just the fact he's going to be on the field, you know, on an NFL roster. The fact he is to me, he's he's, he doesn't even need to play a snap. He's the NFL comeback player of the year. This is just an amazing story. And what the, the, the weird thing is the eerie the eerie similarities cuz uh Joe Theismann, and Joe probably re- really remembers this cuz he's a big Giants fan when LT uh, ended Joe Theismann's career the eerie similarities to to his injury to Alex Smith's injuries are just completely the same it's almost crazy uh it happened on the same day November 18th I mean it happened in the, obviously in Washington D- D- DC uh the yard line was the 39 yard line they both got hurt on the final score of both games were 23 to 21, even though it was a little bit different. The Redskins won that game against the Giants in 85, 23, 21. And the Redskins lost that, that game to the Texans, 23, 21. They both were caused by three times, not, not only defensive players of the year, three times defensive players of the year, Lawrence Taylor and JJ Watt. And both times the uh, left tackle of both teams was not on the field. Uh, uh, Trent Williams of the uh, when Alex Smith was playing, and Joe Jacoby when uh, Joe Theismann was playing. So the similarities are just eerie to to, to Joe Theisman. That's great. It that is, yeah, <laughs> she, 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 uh, Joe's comma eerily similar and equally scary.
1: I knew a couple of those, I didn't know it happened to the same yard line, and I didn't know about the left tackle. I, I knew Trent Williams didn't play that game, but I didn't know, um, know the Washington um, tackle, and 85 wasn't in there. I, I, you know, so yeah, that, that that's scary um but yes i i you know definitely the comeback player of the year to just again and you know after the surgery it sounded like you know he got an infection was gonna you know sounded like maybe possibly he had to amputate the leg. thankfully he didn't um it, it's it's crazy and that he's able to come back and you know just uh again just participate in practice i don't know if we'll see him on the field you know again but just the way he's been able to fight through this and get back and, and wanting to you know get back and, and do this it's a great story and I remember watching that e60 on it. oh e60 was
0: outstanding that e60 yeah, it was, was great it was. I, you thought he was never even he might not even he may not even survive nor not now that now that he's back on the NFL roster it's crazy
1: it is and and I, I give him a lot of credit because after after that I you know I, I wouldn't be able to uh be able to step back on the field after that but um yeah great story um definitely should one come back later of the year Great, great to hear something like that. And, you know, these times right now that, you know, are, are going on. Um, it's great to see.
0: Absolutely. And we do have more news from the Washington football team this week as they hired uh, Jason Wright as their team president, first African-American to be hired as a team president, played for the – played seven years in the league for the uh, Falcons, the Browns, and the Cardinals. And this is an organization that's, you know, not had a great reputation but takes a step in the right direction with the hiring of – uh of a minority candidate, uh, Jason Wright.
1: Yeah, it is. Daniel Sander, you know, a lot of criticism, but finally did something right, you know, um, and it's about time he did something right. Uh, and great to see. And it's good for the league. As we know, they got that new rule in place with, um, you know, having, you know, interview minorities um, for job, you know, the head coaching offers in front office. So it's a good step in the right direction for the NFL. It it
0: absolutely it absolutely is. I mean, yeah, to to have more, the NFL needs to have more and more minority candidates to to be to be a part of this league.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. They they do need it. And a lot of them do deserve that chance to be a head coach or work in the front office as a GM or a team president or, you know, whatever they, you know, as a, you know, as a front office role or head coach.
0: Absolutely, but we're going to talk about baseball now. And there's the big story now is about a 21 uh, year old whose dad was a former player, uh, but he's now in the major leagues. Fernando Tatis Jr. of the uh, of the Padres. Uh, you know, on, on Monday night, the Padres were up 10-3 in the eighth inning, uh, bases loaded, three zero count, and Tatis swings and hits a grand slam. Which gave him his seventh RBI of the game. I think he had two home runs, seven RBIs. When I mean, the guy's been on a tear, he's in over three hundred right now. He's the National League MVP. He's in over three hundred. Has eleven home runs, twenty-eight RBIs. The guy's been outstanding for the Padres so far this year, and he hits a home run, but it doesn't come without controversy because you know you know some of the old school guys saying that's an unwritten rule in baseball, which it's which is ridiculous because it's the game. The score is ten to three. There is still a chance for the Rangers to come back. It's not like the score is ten nothing. I mean, yes, with ten nothing, all right, I could see your point. But it's ten to three. They still have a chance to come back. And you know, Tatis hits a grand slam to put the game away. And these, you know, these these guys, and these you know, several Rangers were upset. Uh, Chris Woodward was suspended for his actions. Uh, after the Tatis Grand Slam. Yeah, these guys are upset about it, but come on. You're just using an excuse, an excuse that you're losing. I mean, this guy is an outstanding player. He really shouldn't be apologizing for this. I mean, 10-3 to 3 is not a humongous blowout in baseball. A team can come back from that, especially with their clothes are out, especially that Kirby Yates is out for the Padres. Uh, I think that it is absolutely ridiculous that people got upset that Tatis swung that 3-0 pitch and hit a Grand Slam. As you see Trevor Bauer sweet, he says, Tatis, listen up, keep swinging three zero if you want to, no matter what the game situation is. Keep getting hormones no matter what the situation is keep bringing energy and flash to baseball make it fun yeah it's something the sport needs to make it fun but you know the old school baseball guys just just don't want that to happen I mean it's, it's absolutely ridiculous the only thing you did was apologize and I agree with Trevor Bauer there Even know Trevor Bauer's a little crazy I agree with him there the only thing that uh Tatis did was apologize to these old school baseball guys that you know still think this is the 1970s and you know Teams can't come back from six run deficits. And we even have a star like Reggie Jackson, one of the great Mr. October, saying, Fernando Catiz, keep playing hard and playing great. It's a pleasure to watch you play. Love your success and the Padres rise into being a winner. Keep hitting the way, keep hitting, leading the way. It isn't easy to keep hitting home runs. Keep bringing energy you have to the game. We need players like you, an all star. You know, Reggie Jackson, one of the greats, a Hall of Famer, one of the clutchest players ever, one of the best players to ever play the game you know, defended him, and that's great to see. Because some of these old-school baseball guys, this is the 70s where, you know, six runs, seven runs was impossible to come back from. team didn't come back from seven-run deficits in these days. This isn't the old days. Stop it with that. Stop it with the old-school mentality. Tatis didn't do anything wrong Swing at that pitch. And even more ridiculous was last night where, oh, he steals a base up 6 nothing in the fourth inning. That game isn't even close, even close to being over, and now you're going to complain about that. That is absolutely ridiculous. If you saw the final score, the Padres only won 6-4. to four. So I think that is absolutely absurd that people are getting on Frantano Lazzi for breaking unwritten rules in baseball. It is it is embarrassing, and these old school these old school baseball guys need to evolve and need to evolve, evolve into what the game is today and what sports are today. They, they 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 need to start evolving.
1: Oh yeah, and I completely agree with that. And um, so you remember this last year, Steve? End of the end of last season. Remember Texas versus Boston? Mike Miner on the mound.
0: Uh, you might have been the only person you probably worked that game. You're probably the only person watching that
1: game. Yeah. No, well, I probably would have. The, yeah, Mike Miner was going for his 200 strikeout. Gotcha. Yeah, had an easy pop up in foul yep. territory. Drop this so Mike Miner could get the 200 strikeout. Hip, I uh, at Chris Woodward, the manager of the Texas Rangers. I don't know why he's complaining because I know it's
0: hypocritical. He's hypocritical of complaining.
1: Yeah, that's, you know. That's-
0: yeah. One guy's dropping a ball for an individual accomplishment, and now you're upset that a guy swings three and zero and hits a grand slam. You're and Joe says it, crybabies. They are unwritten because they are useless. Why? Why? I would give you a free strike if you groove one. It's getting smacked. Joe's one hundred percent right about that. One hundred percent. It's 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 yeah. And get Chris Woodward. That's being hypocritical. You're upset about and I do remember that now. I just I just remembered it about the Mike Minor thing where where, where Guzman dropped the ball. And then, uh, yeah, then the minor – then uh, he ended up getting his 200 strikeout. But, yeah, it's – it's he's unri- – yeah, it's, it's, a, it's hypocritical. Chris Ward would get upset about that and then accept the Guzman thing.
1: Yeah, again, it, it's, it's a terrible look on his part. And I didn't like either that the Padres manager threw Fernando Tatis Jr. under the bus. How do you throw your star player for the next 70 – you know, the Padres are smart. They're going to lock this guy up until he retires.
0: Listen, that's a way you get Tatis off your team doing that.
1: How do you throw him under the bus? It, it, now, it sounds like, you know, he may have missed the sign and all that. Now, it was probably the first time he's ever been given the take sign since, you know, who knows when. He probably
0: right, that's the first time in his life he's been given the take sign because that guy was never given the take sign in Little League. He was never getting, get, get, uh, getting the take sign in high school. He was never getting the take sign in college. That's probably the first time in his life he's ever gotten the take sign.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I, you can't blame him for not knowing it. And then the, – yeah, that. Um his manager should have told him in behind closed doors, not in front of the media. I know he worked with the Rangers for the last decade, but that doesn't really matter. I know he's got some relationships with those guys, but you can't throw them under the bus. You can't. It, you know, you cannot that that's how this kid's gonna want to get off your team. And then, you know, uh, it just it creates more problems for your organization to lose a guy like Tatsy Jr. Yeah. I think it was a you know, again, and then I think it was um I agree that he should have hit you know that you know i agree i'm fine with him hitting the home run again it, what do you want it to come become a three two he grounds in double play a texas Rangers score three four runs in the bottom eighth. it's a ball game now the pod you got to use a high leverage guys when they probably were about ready to take the night off you know it they're not gonna have to use them i just uh, you know again, again we're you know these are major league players they're grown-ups they should be able to take a lot you know they should be able to kind of go down seven Again, and if you don't want him to hit the ball, if you throw like a slider and CV chases, throw something in CV chases for it. You know, if he does, great. Not, well, he only, you know, you walk another one in. I think he walked, the the pitcher walked two, um, the last two guys anyway. So, again, what do you want him to do? It's a seven-run game. In Major League Baseball nowadays, it's really not that shocking to see a team put up five, six runs in an inning. You know, it's really not, so. Um, and again, I think that's the problem with baseball. You know, your hand. You know, people are getting on one of your youngest superstars in the game right now because he because he hit a, you know a grand slam you know up seven runs in the eighth inning. I again, it's just that that's the problem with baseball right now. Yeah,
0: it's 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 a disgrace for the sport. It's not progressive. They get upset at, this guy is 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 becoming the face of your league, and you're upset at him for swinging three zero. When the game is still technically competitive at 10 to 3, it is absolutely dis- that, that, that's a disgrace of the sport. Why basketball and why football are where they are is because they are progressive. Baseball needs to get progressive. Stop these old mentalities from the 1960s or the 1970s that, oh, you never we never swing three and oh, you can't swing three and no matter who it is. That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. You could swing if you're a four, a three or four or five hitter, three oh. That's probably almost the, the pitch you probably have the most success when you have because you know the pitcher is going to groove it right in there.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, you know what, and especially in a sixty game season, all these games mean so much. You want to put up as many much runs as you can, you know, until it, it really seems impossible to uh, for opponents to come back. It's just, yeah, you know, the, and that's the problem with the game of baseball. And it just seems every time there's a baseball headliner, it's bad news. It just seems like it's something bad going on with the sport, and it just hurts ratings. Even more, and and, uh, you know, it's not a good look for baseball. We agree. That's why they're number three, on the uh, you know ratings wise in in the top four. You know, sports, and you know, again, what you know, and it sounds maybe hockey's gaining on them. So, um, again, who knows? But yeah, it terrible look for the game baseball once again. Yeah, I mean
0: hockey's ganging on and That's a, for, a debate for another day, but I completely agree with you why with, with baseball there, you know, not being, you know, not accepting, you know, Tatis as, as a star and criticizing him for just for hitting a grand slam. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But we'll go to some, go to some a little, some more bad news in baseball. We thought that uh this week was going to be COVID free. This this is definitely is not on, you know, the scale of the Marlins or the Cardinals, but still I mean, it caused three games to get postponed. One player in the Reds tested positive. It caused three games to get postponed, and you don't know what's going to happen tonight. I mean, I haven't I haven't checked yet if they if their doubleheader with the Royals has been postponed yet. But you don't know what's going to happen tonight with 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 those two teams. So this continues to be a problem in baseball, not to the degree as it was a couple of weeks ago. But this should they should really now. I think it's pretty it's it's pretty inevitable that they need to have a bubble for the playoffs they need to have a bubble they can't have this going on in the postseason because you could have the Yankees taking trips out to Oakland in the postseason I think to avoid that happening you got to go to a bubble
1: yeah I completely agree they're going to need the bubble um it's just no way it's going to happen you know Yankees traveling Oakland or Dodgers traveling to you know Atlanta or Philly just will not work and it will get shut down pretty quickly as far as I know too looking it up they they it seems like the doubleheader is still on for tonight so um, and hopefully knocking on wood here. Um, this would be the first time since the Sunday, the first weekend of the regular season, that all 30 teams are in action for baseball. So um, hopefully everything goes well now until I think first game's at five. And, um, you know, and luckily for baseball, this did not turn into a major thing. And, they you know, seems like it stopped the spread quickly. So um, baseball, you know, lucked out here in this one with the Reds.
0: Absolutely, it looks like they're making steps uh towards, you know, crowning a champion. And as Yankee fans, that makes us happy. So we're going to talk about the Yankees. And uh, right now, they're uh, sixteen and seven on the season. I mean, they've just once they they're seven and zero against the Red Sox. They swept them again this weekend. But the team that's had their number has been the Rays. I mean, they've beaten them uh, four out of five times. I mean, yes, the Yankees are banged up without Judge, without uh lemayu and without uh, Stanton. But the Rays, they, I mean, they've beaten them uh, four out of five. You know, Brandon Lau is at a Really good year. They've been hit they've been hitting better than they've hit in, in a while. I mean, their top five in runs scored. Their pitching hasn't been as good as expected, but still, I mean, I mean, it's still it's good pitching. Snell's pitch well, even though Morton Glaston hasn't pitched that well. And Morton's on the DL. So their pitching isn't as good as expected, but it's still decent. And their bullpen's pretty good too. But so I think the Rays right now, they, when they beat the Yankees last night six three. I think they're the biggest threat to the Yankees right now.
1: It's starting to seem like it. They you know the Rays won eleven out of the last thirteen games right now. They're playing really, really good baseball. And yeah, Brandon Lau, um, he's been, you know, he's been really underrated right now. He's hitting the ball well. Um he's been great in that. Yeah, that lineup has really stepped up. When everyone kind of said it's gonna be the pitching that's lean it's gonna lean on it. The pitching hasn't been though know, flat out terrible, but um, it's been the lineup for, at you know times they put up seven they often put up seventeen runs last week against Boston like you know they haven't been able to hit um, they've been playing well this is I def, right now it's them or the A's right now um, I think yeah but here's
0: here's my thing with the A's they can't I mean, the A's. yeah 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 here's the thing but here's the other thing I mean they're playing the Giants I mean yeah they have those two great comebacks but you think, if you think you're that good why are you behind a lousy team six three and seven three in the ninth inning. Yeah, the Giants are awful. That's why you won those games. But if you're behind the Yankees, that's game over. That's that's why I'm not, I'm not afraid of the A's. Actually, the second team, and yes, Joe's not going to like this, but the team outside of the Rays that I'm afraid of, is, even though the Astros aren't the same team, they don't have Garrett Cole and they're not cheating this year, is the Astros. I think the Rays and the Astros are the two biggest threats to the Yankees in the American League still. Because the Twins, yeah, you say the Twins at 16-8. Uh, last night they were up 3 yeah. nothing in the ninth inning. And and uh, obviously, uh, Mejia had a no hitter, and then he got broken up. And they couldn't even hold the lead. Rogers blew the save, and they ended up losing that game four to three. So I'm not that scared of the Twins. I don't think any Yankee fan should be scared of the Twins. And then the Indians could be another team, but they got total issues with their rotation right now. So
1: I, it, it's, it's the Rays and Naturals for me. But the biggest threats in the American League. Yeah, you know, I'm not too sold yet on the Astros. Just a number, uh, like, uh, they've had our number. They
0: beat us in 17. They beat us in 19. They've had our number. You gotta be here, yeah. You say you're not scared of the Astros. You're lying.
1: You know, I you know I don't know. I, right now, I'm like I know they've had our number, but I'm not. I don't know the way. You know, I know they they've won six straight and all that. I you know until their lineup starts hitting better, like at, you know Altuve. I know Springer's been banged up. I, I'm not too afraid at the moment. Again, who knows what's going on with Verlander um if he's gonna come back but you know i um the, the so i i don't know if i'm there yet again i want to you know start seeing them ring off some games because they're 13 to 10 in the in, in the american league west i know um because i thought they'd be better um but then with the Twins, too, it, like Randy Dahl back this year for the Twins has really stepped up right now. I think his ERA is still It's it. early. It's early. I know him. it's still early, but, you know, the, the story that guys has, you know, from being an Uber driver year and a half ago to being a major league pitcher on the Twins is pretty remarkable. Um, but going back, you know, the Rays, I, I definitely do agree the Rays are the toughest threat right now um and again it it they're getting even scarier because they do have tyler Glasso on the mound tonight he does have a seven year at the moment but again you don't see too many six foot eight pitchers coming at you like this and i really like his stuff and i i assume he will get out of this rut eventually and you know hopefully it's not tonight but at some point i think he'll be you know he'll kind of be back to what he was last year where before he was hurt he looked like a Cy young candidate
0: yeah, we'll see We'll see what ends up happening there. But we're going to get into the Yankees and look at their lineup. I obviously have the three injuries with LeMayu, with uh, with Stanton, and with Judge. But the thing is, is uh, uh, Sanchez and Torres got to step up. Torres really stepped up this weekend. But, you know, but yesterday, you know, he had an 0 for 4. He had an 0 for 2 on Monday. He had an 0 for 4 yesterday. Uh, Sanchez, yes, he had those three straight games where he, where, he hit three, where he hit three straight home runs. And he had a home run last night. But he's been 2 for 9 his last uh, – his last uh, three games. Uh, Frazier, the same thing, two for 11. So, you know, the offense, you know, co- coming down to earth a little bit without without these three guys. And, yes, it didn't hurt them against the Red Sox not having them. But when you're playing a team like the Rays, it does hurt not having three of your best hitters.
1: Yeah, it does. It's, you know, the one, two, three guys pretty much kind of in that lineup. Um, you know, and, and, yeah, especially especially when you lose a LeMahieu that seems like he's on base every time, you know, he swings a bat. And then with the way judges hit and it seems like, you know, it could be one nothing after two batters or, you know, two nothing leads. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough right now. And that's what I was afraid of when they got done with the Red Sox and the way, how bad the Red Sox pitching is. Now you get to face a Blake Snell and, you know, they struggled again. Luke Boyd has really stepped up this year. I thought Torres, the way he played against Boston, especially the first couple of nights, I thought, okay, he's going to get out of this rut um, and he was going to start getting hot, but it, He cooled off last night. Sanchez, I think Joe was saying five of nine hits are home runs again, but it seemed, and he was saying too, most of their, um, most of hits now, you know, the exit velocity has been there. So it seems hopefully a couple of these hits kind of fall in the gap form and just find a hole form coming, you know, in the next few weeks. But yeah, you know, it was a little concerning losing all three of those guys. You knew with a series like this coming up that, you know, with the way that Ray's pitch, it it was going to be tough. Their first, you know, they were due as well to lose a home game. They were nine and out So again, I think tonight's a big one. You got Cole in the mound too. So you know, when your ace is on the mound, it's wind day. So gotta pull out this one.
0: And speaking of Garrett Cole, I mean he's just been outstanding in this rotation, four and zero, ERA under three. Right now, him and Shane Bieber are probably right right neck and neck for the Cy Young. So he's been he's been outstanding. And thank God we signed him because the rest of the rotation has been very inconsistent. Tanaka didn't pitch well last night. Paxton was okay Saturday night. Uh I mean, the, the bright spot was Montgomery threw the ball well on Monday at, before the rain delay, and then half pitched pretty well on uh, on yeah. Sunday night. But the rotation outside of Cole has just been inconsistent, and that is, still continues to be the biggest weakness for this team.
1: Yeah, it is, and it has been. And, and for most of the – you know, for the first couple of starts for Cole, too, it didn't even seem like he had his – and he even admitted that. Like, he, he didn't even have his ace stuff. But And that was something, too, I feel like the Yankees have been missing for years is a guy that when he doesn't have his best stuff, he can still hold the team the two runs, two three runs, and get you a win, and he's been able to do that last few starts in Boston, um, and um Tampa, you know, I've been pretty well. I know he only went four and two thirds. I think it was like the most pitches he's thrown in that amount of innings he's played, um, but yeah, um, definitely he, he's him and Shane Bieber are right there. Shane Bieber has been great as well. Um, but yeah, thank God they have Cole to lead that rotation right now. But you know. Good signs from Hap that they need him. You know when they they need him again, and then Montgomery too was you know until you know the rain delay looked pretty good out there. So um, again Tanaka, I know just didn't have his stuff last night. He said hopefully or he would just leave himself up. So hopefully it's just a one time thing, and he kind of comes out and pitches better um, his next time out. But what's um, the
0: yeah, and we'll obviously look at look at the road ahead for the Yankees tonight. They got a uh, you know Garrett Cole against Tyler Glass now. Um, third, they play tomorrow afternoon against the Rays. They got two more with the Rays, and we and uh, James is pitching tomorrow against the Rays, and, and they got to beat them. And they're one and four right now against the Rays. And if they don't win tonight, it, they, they they could get swept because you know it could start to get in their heads that this team is could give them problems. But, you know, this weekend they got their, uh, cross town, right? They cross town rivals. They play the Mets. Uh, the Mets right now, you know, have kind of, have kind of been a mess this year to start. Yes, they're in it because of, uh, because of Jacob DeGrom and the, you know, the stupid playoff rule where, uh, 16 teams, uh, make the playoffs, which I, which I can't stand that rule. Uh, the biggest issues for the Mets though have been, you know, their lack of depth in the rotation without Strollman and without, uh, without Strollman and, uh, and Syndergaard. Their bullpen is is average. And really, a big issue has been they just haven't been able to hit with runners in scoring position. Right now, Mets uh, 11 and 14 on the season. Uh, look at the pitching matchups this weekend. You got uh, uh, Jay Half versus Rick Porcillo, Jordan Montgomery versus Robert Kazelman, Tanaka on Sunday, and the Mets haven't uh, announced a starter. So, should be interesting with the Subway Series this week. But the Mets need to start hitting with runners in scoring position and uh, the depth of this rotation. Is, is is not good and needs to improve for them to even come to, to, to even make the tops to the top eight in the national league.
1: Yeah, they do. And I know um, they actually had a guy step up, David Peterson who was three and one on the year. I think his was in the three. I saw him pitch against Boston. He looked pretty good. He's been p- he's pitching well, but they just put him on the DL yesterday or Monday. So, um, you know, I think that, that, that hurts him a bit too right now. Um, you know, like Porcello got rocked. What was that national game? Or that was Matt. Yeah. Matt's in, Pour Sall have been very up and down. Um uh, actually got hot. I think Canoa's yeah, been playing well for them. Yeah, I think going in last night, the last few games, he was bad in like 423 or something, you know, like the last handful. I think the losing Cespedus was actually a blessing to guy. Since Dominic Smith as well has not been able to kind of DH two as well. And he's been hitting better. Um one of their younger prospects, you know, um at first base with P. Alonso. So I think it kind of now, you know, you can get him out of the, you know, Cespedes out of the lineup. So but they do need to start hitting better in scoring position. That, you know, they should have had the Red Sox a couple times. Yeah, like Bob Knight, they had one out one of the games.
0: Yeah, I mean, no reason they should have lost the Red Sox twice. Once you can understand, but twice they should have never lost the Red Sox twice.
1: No, they shouldn't. And they and they lost with DeGrom on the mound, which isn't too surprising. That's inexcusable
0: to lose that game with DeGrom on the mound.
1: Um, it, it was. But yeah, the Mets can start hitting better. Again, that. that NLE for the most part, too, is just, you know, it's just very inconsistent right now. Braves can't. Stay healthy. Nationals, you know, the hitting's been an issue. Um, Philly's the bullpen's the issue. And the Marlins, right now, they're, you know, still up there, but for how much longer? So, it's still, I think, kind of, again, it's going to be tough to win that division. But, again, getting second place is not a question. It, it is very possible that they can start hitting better and their rotation can start cleaning things up.
0: Exactly, and it starts this weekend for them against against the Yankees. And for the Yankees, uh, just it, it it could be. We'll see what happens against the Rays this week. But this it could definitely be a try to be it could kind of be a bounce back series for them to uh, to stay on top of the American League East. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Subway Series this weekend. But we got to wrap up the show, and we're going to talk about some hockey before we wrap up and. Uh, the Bruins up on the Hurricanes three to one. They were down two nothing. Scored four straight goals to beat the Hurricanes, uh, and, and they're up three one in the series. Uh, but the issue is though, Tuka Rask has left the bubble, and is he Justin? Is he done for the postseason? He's done. So, so they're going to be with they're going to be with Halak for the rest of the postseason. And he didn't really have that good of a game on Monday night as he gave up three goals against the Hurricanes. So, yes, the Bruins are up three one. They're probably going to win this series, but say they because look at their next opponent is probably going to be the Lightning. Do they really have a chance against the Lightning without Tuukka Um, yeah.
1: Actually, Lightning are the two. They're the the Bruins are the four. Yeah, right? but
0: but don't they reseed?
1: I think they are reseeding. Yeah. If they
0: reseed, they play the Lightning. Oh, they if they if they don't reseed, they play the Flyers.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, because there's yeah because there's gonna be an upset with the island. I forgot about that. Yes, I I totally forgot about that. Yeah, you know, the Lightning were tough for them. they were in the same division. So again. The Bruins played – if the Bruins played like they did in the third period where they held the Hurricanes at two shots and they didn't get their first one until a minute and a half left in the third period, I think they could win that series to help Holak out in front and all that. But if they continue to kind of – again, and it depends on Pocenac too. Pocenac was the leading scorer. He was tied with um, um with, uh, someone I cannot remember his name. It's not McDavid, um, his line mate. Oh, the guy for one of the other the other
0: guy for the Oilers.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart here. I forget his name. But um so he's probably not gonna play, you know. I don't know what his status is. It still says un you know, unfit to play. And I don't know what that means, but if they can if he's out too, I think that's when the Bruins are in trouble because you lose your top score. But again, yeah, if the Bruins can play the way they did, especially defensively. Um, they got they finally got some shots on net. I think they could take care, you know, in seven. It's going to be tough. It definitely will be. Um, but they they have a chance. The Bruins would have a chance. And, you know, again, this was the best team in the regular season by far as what I saw. Um, and if they can get back to that form, they have a chance. They think a lot too. Um, could probably start in half the other teams in the NHL. So they, they think they kind of have a starter as their backup, which also helps. And he's a veteran. So he's been around the league for a while.
0: Talking about a team that I can't even name a player on that team who is almost, I mean, they did face off, fight off elimination last night, but it is about to eliminate a team that, uh, that has the best player in the sport in Alex Ovechkin, the Islanders up three, one over the Capitals, even though the Capitals uh, won last night, Won last night against the Islanders three to two, you how is this Islanders team doing this? I mean, outside of Long Island, I'm sorry. I don't think anybody – because they did trade – they got rid of, they didn't sign, re-sign Tavares a couple of years ago. Outside of Long Island, I don't think anybody can name a player on this team. How is this Islanders team doing it up 3-1 against the best player in the game?
1: Well, for one, I, Barry Trots is one of the best head coaches. The former yeah, I- uh, it, it, yeah,
0: it, it's showing, and it's showing why the Capitals should. Oh, did he? Did he? Did he leave, or did did
1: he get did they did fire him? to won the cup. Did he just
0: resign after we won the Stanley Cup? Eleven days after they won
1: the cup, they were trying to come together for a contract extension. Could not meet it, so he walked away from the Capitals. Pretty much. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well,
0: the oh, the Capitals should have gotten that contract signed because yeah. now he's probably going to eliminate them from the playoffs.
1: Yeah, um again they went up 2-0 early and I thought they had it out, you know, I thought they they had it one, but then Alex o, Alexander Ovechkin came up and um uh, uh scored two last night, scored the eventual game winner, scored a nice one on the power play.
0: Yeah, he started t- he started taking over, which he should have been doing earlier in the series.
1: He should have. That was the fifth goal of the series. Again, you know, it's tough to try to take that guy out of a series. It is really tough, especially the Islands don't really have the guy I don't think that could really Try to stop them again. I think the best is just to stand in front of the net and just block shots, is really the only best chance to slow down Ovechkin. Um, but again, now it's it's still three-one for these guys. But the thing for the Islanders is it's just kind of just spread out. Like their top score only had, I think, like 50, 60 points this year. It was very spread out. So there's anybody on the Islanders could beat you. And I think that's a huge key for them. Um, but they gotta be better in the power because I think they gave up two goals last night in the power uh I think they gave up – or they only gave up one. I think they gave up one the other night as well. So, they got to be a little bit better on the kill, especially you cannot give Ovechkin um, in that first line. But it also help, hurts the Capitals that they do not have Nicholas Bastrom, um, the line one centerman. That also helps. Very experienced. You know, was on the scene for the Cup. Been in the scene for a while. So, that one hurts as well. Is he the still night,
0: on the, is he still on their team, Backstrom, Or
1: He is. He is hurt. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I don't think he's going to be back this year. It doesn't sound like it. But, um, you know, again, the Caps are still up 3-1. The nice thing is, obviously, they do not have to go back to Washington for a game five. And, you know, you get to stay in the bubble. So, I think they'll be able to take care of business either game five or game six. Again, they look good for the first period. And then the Caps, I think, the, the bell went off that, hey, we're 40 minutes away from being eliminated. Um, you know, we better we better show up. Because they didn't really look great in the bubble either. Um, yeah, yeah, they went
0: one and two in the playing games, the round robin, like yeah, the Bruins went on three, they went one and two.
1: Yeah. And I thought the Bruins outplayed the Caps that game for the most part, too. And they and the Caps still got away with that win. Um, but again, I think the Isles should take care of business. You know, um, they got to the semifinals last year, you know, and I they should, they should get back there again this year. They should be able to win one or two the next one, the next game or so.
0: Yeah, they should be able to win, you know, one of the next three games. But that's going to wrap it up for Sports Talk with R&J. I'm Steve Risser. For Justin Nafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We will be back next week talking, continuing to talk about the first round of the NBA playoffs. Have a great weekend, everybody.